Welcome to Destinations by Design. Prepare to dive into the biggest events, weddings, and design feats here in Las Vegas and beyond. Here's your host, Zachary Green. On this episode of Destinations by Design, we're heading into the world of love, promises, and unforgettable celebrations as we talk all about weddings. Whether it's a simple backyard union or a ballroom extravaganza, weddings are a testament to design, creativity, and meticulous planning. Get ready to delve into the latest fall and holiday wedding trends from color palettes to floral arrangements and all the exquisite elements that can turn a great wedding into an unforgettable one. We're also sharing insider tips on planning the perfect wedding and why having a wedding planner can be the secret ingredient to a stress-free celebration. And we're not stopping there. In this episode, we discuss the complex equations of vendors. Is it better to have more or fewer? Is it worthwhile to pay less or more? We'll debate the pros and cons and help you to make an informed decision for your big day. And the cherry on top of our wedding cake, acknowledge the different levels of planning and styles and dive into the benefits of each. So put on your best outfit, grab some bubbly and join us as we walk you down the aisle of wedding insights. This is an episode you'll want to RSVP yes to. And joining us today, we have Marissa Kilkenny, a sales consultant with Destinations by Design. Marissa, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We also have Amanda Ewan, an account manager with Destinations by Design. Amanda, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. And here for the very first time, we have Andrea Eppolito, a Las Vegas-based wedding planner. Andrea, hello. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. Oh, I'm so excited to have the ladies on this podcast. We've been waiting a really long time to talk about weddings, and we've yet to discuss them. So let's hop right into it. And I know that someone doesn't like the word trends, but I want to talk about fall and holiday wedding trends. What do you guys typically see? What should we be on the lookout this season? Just kind of your thoughts and your feelings on it. So the problem that I have with trends is two things. Number one, I think that when couples, brides, grooms see something online, following a trend prevents you in a very real way from making a statement that is uniquely yours. I think that we can be influenced by trends, media, social media, but I think that anytime you want a trendy wedding, it kind of strips the soul and the individuality out of what it is that you're trying to communicate, which is telling a visual love story. The second thing about it is, much like the unfortunate perm that I got in the late 80s and early 90s, trends will date you. They'll date your wedding. How many times have we looked back, whether it was fashion, hair, food, style choices, and you look at something and you say, oh, that was from, because there's an error and a timestamp on it. And I know that there's a lot of decisions that I made stylistically that 10, 15 years later, I regret. And I don't think that couples should regret their wedding. And I think that when you are too trendy and you follow them blindly without really ingratiating them into your personality, you end up with something that five years or 10 years from now, you're going to look and say, it's it's not timely and timeless. It's derivative of 
2022. That's so interesting because I've actually never even thought of the loss of authenticity. You know, and it's so simple. It's there. Like, you know it. Oh, I'm following something, this and this. But right now, what are people trending towards, especially towards the fall and holiday season? What do they what do they get themselves into and what do you try and pull them out of so you're actually painting their love story? The thing that people do is they go so literal. It's fall. We need leaves or we need the kind of rust and browns. It's holiday. Oh, I know. Let's do gold and red or green. And I always just try to tell them you can have a color, you can have a tonality, you can have a texture that gives a hint to the thing that you love about the season without it being so incredibly literal. So especially for fall, this is when we start seeing a lot of candlelight come back in because it does get darker earlier. It gets a little chilly. So people want warmth in their designs for fall. They're starting to reintroduce it in a way that you don't necessarily see in summer. And then for the holidays, because I don't enjoy being overtly literal with anything, I really love metallics for that. So I'm always trying to pull people away from the color and the tonality and bring them into something that is a little bit more neutral, but that they can play with in a different way. So for holidays, we do see a lot of gold. We see a lot of silver. We see a lot of texture, so heavier, richer satins and silks. You see a lot of fur, a lot of crushed velvet, because I think that that speaks to the holiday and the celebrating without the idea of, and there's my Christmas tree, and there's my star, and there's whatever else it is that I may be celebrating. I love those things, but maybe not for weddings. So I want to know, I'm someone who is not getting married, but let's say I was is my first step to contact you and then you contact DBD. Do I reach out to DBD and then you guys put me in touch with Andrea? How does the process kind of work? It could go either way. I think the partnership, which is a word we obviously hear and say a lot, is is trusting in that wedding planner like Andrea to bring us the piece of business and to you know, allow us to bid on it, hopefully, and and be able to work with the couple and, and work alongside her. I think that is something that we all look forward to. And that's kind of what keeps that creative flow going is that the the kind of to, to jump back to your question about trends, I think the trend we see in every season, which is by no means a bad thing, is a lot of couples don't know what they want. And the great thing about that is, as all of us as creators, and especially Andrea being an absolute savant at that craft, is that you get to put that vision and that story together in any season. So that's something I, I think it's it always works best when the planner contacts us. Otherwise, in some instances, then we'll backtrack and we'll talk to that couple and say, listen, your design and your vision and what you're looking to do definitely requires a planner. And we obviously have a, a great relationship to go kind of teeter-totter either way. I always think that a, a wedding planner is the best place to start because this person is your advocate and they're the custodian of not just your money, but also of your memories. Now, something that I'm curious about is your position, Amanda. You're an account manager. Uh, where does that fit into the role of weddings, especially here at DBD or working with a partner like Andrea? So um, in my role as an account manager, I actually begun at DBD as a sales coordinator under the social sales manager. And in my time as a sales coordinator, I really only focused on kind of the behind the scenes work, mostly working on the updates to any proposals we sent out to clients, 
working on collecting um, vendor quotes, our studio pricing, those kinds of elements. So once I stepped into the account manager role, I really became more client facing, more communication with the planners and everything. So it's kind of that next step before becoming a sales manager, learning more of the client face to face communication and learning more of the logistics on site. I have to say I learned more in the past year in my role as an account manager about the specific details that go into a wedding that you don't think of when you initially plan decor. Yeah, such as what? Give us an example. Uh, for example, just like load-in timing, the timing it takes to flip a room with Andrea. Last year, we just did a wedding where we ended up dropping half of the drape line during cocktail hour for the flip and then pushing all those tables out into the reception space. And so putting together, like in my head, the labor that goes into that of our team members and everything. So, I think that's so interesting too because in this business, and especially when it comes to weddings, I I don't know why the term bridezilla is coming to my mind. I just imagine the, ah, this isn't right, <laughs> you know? I imagine your communication skills need to be yeah. on point at peak perfection because uh, you say the wrong thing, you insist or kind of push a little too hard and everything comes crumbling down, right? I'm going to go ahead and say wrong. I don't work with uh. bridezilla's. I've been doing this for over 30 years. My company is 12 years old and I have really honed in on the ability to turn around and identify someone and say like, you are not my client. And so I'm going to send you back out into the universe so that you can find somebody else. Is it a highly emotional experience? Yeah, of course it is. Are there times where I always think brides and grooms that anxiety comes from fear, fear of making a mistake fear of having people not enjoy the process, fear of having the the unknown. And it's our job collectively to have a partnership and have a communication style that conveys to somebody you're not making a mistake. And is there risk? Yeah, what we all do is we manage the risk of creating something new. But the chances that it's not going to to go well are so small. Does it exist? Yes. But that's where the that's where the fun is. That's where the magic is. That's where the opportunity to really come out and do something extraordinary lives. And so I don't mind it. And I think one of the best things about working here, DVD has been around for over 25 years. So many people in this building I have worked with through multiple venues, multiple positions, multiple jobs. Marissa and I have a decade-long relationship. Angelica, Harvey, I mean, we all have this way of communicating where you can look at each other and you are understanding what the other person says. That's a skill and that's a dance that you perfect in time. Like when somebody kind of sneaks in and pops in on you and you're able to make eye contact and give them a nod, but still continue. That relationship and that energy transfers over to your clients. And I mean, I in all the years that we've been working together, I don't remember a time when we've had somebody come in and say, no, it's it's absolutely wrong. We've had people come in and be overwhelmed. And then once they start to digest it, mm. our job is to be the adult in the room and to walk them through the process of saying, okay, we've set the table for you. Now we want you to actually sit in the chair. We want you to feel the linen. We want you to pick up the pillow or the napkin. And we want you to think from an organic place, how does it feel better to sit on this or this? And then we're able to take them through the process and explain what went into that design. And I think it's really helpful for clients when they see people who get along like we do and who communicate like we do. They feel like they are 
in very good hands and they can trust us. It's it's a really, really special feeling. I think that's what people are paying for. They want to be seen and they want to feel like they're understood in a way that goes beyond transactional. And that's really the difference between the luxury space and at the entry level. And this leads into my next question um, for you, Marissa. In terms of vendors, I mean, <laughs> is it advisable to have more of a variety or fewer for um, cohesion? And does spending more necessarily mean a better wedding versus maybe spending a little bit less? I mean, for me, it's always less is more because you don't want to, from our side, from Andrea's side, I, I won't speak for her, but I know and just you want to trust your partners. You want to know that my client is coming. I'm coming to you. My client has a vision. I'm vocalizing that vision. You're exceeding their expectations. That doesn't mean now that they then, being the planner, they have to manage 35 vendors. It shouldn't, it can't be, and it shouldn't be that way. So that way that there is a cohesity and everything's synced up and that the couples aren't, you know, head spitting with 35 different invoices and 35 different people to pay the planners can only be a shield to to so many levels and i think that kind of goes back to the questioning before too and i agree with andrea bridezilla should be a myth and that we don't necessarily want to see them or see them because we're managing those expectations because amanda and i are getting ahead of the communication and everyone here you know it's 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 about being solution based as well instead of just saying yes which is a lot of people's defense to a wedding couple, to a bride and a groom. You want to just say yes and you want to make everyone happy. But sometimes we have to say no or sometimes we have to say yes and and provide solutions. Everyone has a budget. And I believe that we all need to respect the money. But ultimately, the money is just a tool. The money gets you from point A to point B. And it's never about spending less than what you thought you were going to spend or going over budget and spending more. The goal is to spend the exact amount of money that is appropriate to get you the thing that you want. Not a dollar more, not a dime less. And when you are trying to say like, oh, but I can get this over here, you're not always getting apples to apples. When we've had things in the past, and even with we've done multi-million productions together, and we have to sit down and say, does this particular piece convey the same value at this price point? Because there are other ways to communicate and to get across what it is you're looking for without overspending. And there are times when you're underspending to the detriment of the overall goal. So I don't, when people say like, what is this going to cost? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't planned your wedding yet. I haven't designed your party yet. I have no idea what this is going to cost. There's the thing and there's what the thing costs in service to your greater goal. And that's one of the things that we've had such success in over the years is really sitting down, looking at a design, breaking it apart, and then making sure that the numbers are weighted appropriately to the value and the priority. So maybe, Amanda, you can answer this one for me. Maybe paint the picture for me. I assume that, Andrea, you're the one who's like, okay, we could do this, this, we have this and this, and they see the options, they pick, then the options come back, a price is generated. Who's the one breaking the news? Who's mm -hmm. the one who's talking? So it's you. But I assume that 
for you? Are you the one who's doing all the calculations and you're just like, well, this is... uh." Yeah. So a lot of times, like if clients haven't really established a budget, Marissa and I will get with Andrea, kind of put together items that we want to show them. And once Andrea comes back to us with those items and they would maybe have then established a budget at that point after seeing some pricing, then me and Marissa on our end will do whatever we can to try to make as much as possible work with the client's budget. Um, I think it's irresponsible of a planner to ask a company like DBD to go in blind. The idea of we don't have a budget. There are times where I've been guilty of coming in and saying, I'm not quite sure of what the global spend is. I believe we're here and here. I also think that if we come up with something amazing, it can be here. But the idea of, you know, we want a white wedding. We don't really have a budget puts the company in such a terribly difficult position because do I give you a $10,000 design and then you walk out and you think, well, they're too cheap. They don't understand luxury. They don't understand style. Or do I present you with a $260,000 design and you say, oh my God, they're gouging me. So I do think that the planner has a responsibility to set the tone and the narrative and to manage the numbers in a way that isn't injurious to their partner. So I'd love from each of you maybe a piece of advice that you would give a wedding couple, someone who is new to the space, because I know I'm going to be that person who's like, oh, God, I was trying to buy a suit. And I was like, can you please help me, person? Because I don't even know what my size is. Maybe some advice or thoughts to have going into it. I mean, I think my main advice would just be to be open to your options. I definitely think having a planner is a very good idea, especially if you don't work in the events industry, to have somebody that has an understanding of the full scope of the event. And then also just someone that can help alleviate that stress. You don't want to have to be managing all those vendors on your own. Like on such a big day of your life, you want to be focusing on making those memories. You don't want to be worrying about the coordination of everything. Retweet. A hundred percent. I mean, again, we're talking about one piece of an entire wedding weekend. It's a very important piece because the pictures are those memories and everything we want to look absolutely beautiful. But there is so much that happens behind the scenes, logistics, operations. You as a bridegroom couple, your your primary focus should just to be able to enjoy. You don't want to worry about what's happening at the front desk. You don't want to worry about what's happening at the loading dock. So the best piece of advice is to truly hire the professionals that sole purpose and job and responsibility is to ensure that that stress does not come anywhere near you. I'm going to take that. Once you've committed to the idea that I have to hire a professional team, whether it is starting with a planner, which I think all couples should start with, but when you do that, I would encourage people to see beyond social media. Social media is such an incredibly curated, manipulated space. And just because someone has a pretty picture posted on an Instagram or a video, the question of, is that real? Is it really your work? Was it for a real client? Was it a styled shoot? Can you actually tell me, does my budget purchase that kind of experience. And the world that I move in, my currency is trust and integrity. And so when couples are looking out there for vendors, they need to be really diligent about asking questions. They need to be looking at the partnerships. When I say to a client, we're going to go to DBD, they've seen enough of DBD's work on my website. They've seen enough of it 
on my Instagram. They've seen it on my YouTube. And so there is an inherent built-in trust of, I know that DBD actually does produce the kind of work that you want. And I think that it's so important that you look beyond the pretty and that you actually have conversations so that you are going down a path where you're not having to question whether or not somebody is really who they say they are. Welcome to our DBD Q&A section. This is a new portion of the podcast where we answer listener questions. And if you have a question for the podcast, shoot us an email. It goes to me at podcast at dbdvegas.com or you can comment on social media. We have someone who checks it every day, all hours of the day. And I wanna introduce someone for this Q&A section. Her name is Angelica Coutry, and she is the social sales manager here at Destinations by Design. Angelica, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, excited to be here. Let's get into it. We have Tessa from Boise, Idaho. And Tessa asks, can you share some practical tips on how to create a mood board for our wedding theme? This is Angelica Hutri, who is a social sales manager. Angelica, we're so glad to have you on this Q&A section. Thank you for having me. So for mood boards, I think everyone does them differently. When I'm doing a mood board or an inspiration page, my first uh, move really is I'm connecting with the client. So in this case, if I'm working with Andrea, I'm going to work directly along her to get an idea in her brain of what she's looking for. Andrea is someone who's going to come to me with already a strong obviously a strong idea of what she wants. She's going to have imagery already kind of put together and pieced together. And for me, when she's outlining, okay, here's how I envision, she's going to walk me through everything, or I'm going to have someone walk me through everything to get an idea of what they want. And from that, I'll really just pull together um, a mixture of inspiration. Yes. of is it textures? Is it architectural? Is it residential? And I also usually include pieces that we have in our own inventory. I really like to do a combination of the inspiration and how the inspiration, again, that's more residential architectural, matches what, what we have in our inventory. And for me personally, from a stylistic and aesthetic point of view, I really do go for more editorial looks than, I don't want to say Pinterest looks because I do pull off of Pinterest, but it's really big for me to see what we're seeing when, again, when we walk into a beautiful home or a restaurant or those those pieces, textures, those are really big and important for me. I think the big thing is, is that you're looking outside of the industry when you're creating a mood board. It's not a design deck. And those two are very different things. A mood board is about the way that you want to feel. And so we'll have we've done mood boards together that are incredibly romantic, very, very soft, very light and airy. We pull in a lot of like art and fabrication, things that almost feel like wind florals, things that aren't necessarily going to translate exactly. But there's a big difference between looking at something and saying this feels soft and pretty and approachable versus this feels really architectural. This feels really like heavily influenced by home and interiors versus Burning Man. So the mood board is about how you want to feel. And then your stylistic design deck, those are the items that help to create that feeling. Jennifer from Houston, Texas asks, how can we make our wedding more interactive and engaging for our guests? We see a lot of that translate when it comes to photo opportunities and photo walls, pockets within the room. We're way beyond now, I feel, the pop-up green screen that long those days are long gone we do very fun interactive whether that's with an actual professional 
whether that's with an unbelievable, gorgeous furniture grouping that ties into the room. We've kind of seen a lot of different fun movement and pieces with that, again, to tie the guests in and to obviously always have a keepsake for them to remember by. Music is another great way to engage with your guests. You know, there's there's nothing like a big band. And I don't think I think that's timeless. We've seen bands from the beginning of parties and prohibition and everything up until now. There's I will always say band over DJ. I think that one of my favorite things that we've done together is more of a living wall photo experience. I came to DVD with a com- with a couple that loved artists. They loved Drake and they loved Terrell. And DBD actually built me a whole Terrell experience where my clients and their guests were able to walk through a white box that had different interesting lighting pieces. We had speakers in. We were blasting Drake. And because the bride was so obsessed, we even had DBD create a two-scale correct measurements cutout of Drake. And people were able to go in and sing and dance and be in this living art piece. And then because social media is the way that we communicate with the world now, we had professional photo and video teams that were making GIFs and making Instagrams. People could share them right then and there. It was fantastic. They've done costumed performers for me in corners of rooms that became photo opportunities. And like she said, I mean, we even had a we had a barbershop quartet at a vintage baby shower. So music is always something that connects people. Beautiful. And we have time for one more question. This is Belinda from Charleston, South Carolina. And Belinda asked, what are some creative ways to use flowers beyond just bouquets and centerpieces? I've done a lot of things and Andrew is definitely going to speak speak to that more. But outside of just what we're doing on uh, tabletops, uh, coffee tables, regular, you know, with the bride and the, the bridal parties wearing, we've done I've done amazing ceiling pieces, ceiling treatments. You're seeing a lot of conversation and talk now where people are not that they want to move away from chandelier, but you're you're seeing more of either a lighting ceiling or ivy or just heavy, lush ceilings um, creating chandeliers out of actual flower pieces. I've done a lot of that. Uh, there are beautiful ways to incorporate it in into weddings, daytime and nighttime as well. Uh, you know, when we talk about candles or bringing those elements into it, those are a few things that I've done outside of your traditional tablescapes. Also, again, when we talk about interactive living walls, you know, what we do for backdrops, not only can they be backdrops to stages or even the sweetheart table, a photo moment. Uh, an entry, you can really create walls and textures in the room, especially if you want to do a full transformation in rooms, especially in Vegas, we're we're working in ballrooms. So one of my favorite things to do always is transforming a ballroom. And what we've seen there is there's so many things you can do with not just flowers, but again, greenery as well. So those are the different ways that, that I've applied it. And for anyone who gets concerned about the idea of waste or sustainability or we're buying all of these flowers and then the flowers are going to die. One of the greatest things that we did here at DBD at a wedding a few years back was we had a stand set up that when people were leaving, we actually encouraged them to pull flowers from the centerpieces, from the floral walls, from different places around the room. And then we had attendants that went and met them made arrangements right then and there that they could put in vases in their home, tied them off with beautiful pieces of branded butcher paper that DBD actually printed and customized for us right here. And it was such a lovely way to extend the life of such a major investment that people made. 
and they were able to then use those as kind of a parting gift. So DBD will always make sure that your flowers go to very good use. <laughs> well, it's safe to say that love is always in the air here when it comes to designing dream weddings for your clients. We've been talking about the wedding scene and giving you the tips and tricks for planning a dream wedding. Well, it's safe to say someone's coming after my job. <laughs> I want to thank my guest here for today who came in and joined us. That is Andrea Epolito, a Las Vegas-based wedding planner. We had Marissa Kilkenny, a sales consultant with Destinations by Design. Amanda Ewan, who was here earlier, who's an account manager with Destinations by Design. And Angelica Kutri, a social sales manager with DBD. And be sure to join us. We are getting techie. We're talking about tech and creative as it pertains to design and live events. Till then, this is Destinations by Design.